Welcome to the Shalhaba Community Church Podcast. We hope you're encouraged by the following message. Well, hello. I am so excited to get to share with you all. Happy Mother's Day to all the mothers out there. We are so happy that we get to celebrate you today. Um, I'm Rachel. If you don't know me, my husband and I are the youth pastors here at Shahaba Community Church. And I'm just thinking of you in your homes. Maybe you're with your family. Maybe you're by yourself. Um, I hope that you've had a wonderful time celebrating. But even if you've had a really hard time um, with Mother's Day this year, I just want you to know that you're amongst family now. So relax, settle in. We're just going to gather around the Word of God today, together today. And it's so wonderful to have you joining with us. And um, I wanted to share one of the things that's really been on my mind and on my heart as we've been going through this season of quarantine. And I think perhaps it's something that God maybe is wanting to show us. This isn't a story any of us thought we would be living, but it's the story we're living now. And I think that God is going to teach us something through this story and this life that we're living now that's a little bit different to what we probably thought it would be. And this is a message for everybody, but I hope it will especially be an encouragement to the mothers in our church community. We're thinking of you and we're celebrating you today on Mother's Day. Now, one of the things that I love, one of the things that's a bit nerdy about me, there's a few of them, but one of them is that I absolutely love classic stories of domestic home life. Things like Little Women, things like Anne of Green Gables, even Jane Austen books, basically all that is happening in these books is it's home and people and families and them living together and their interactions and their kids and things like that. And um, I mean, don't get me wrong. I also love me a good bit of action and adventure. I love Marvel movies. My um, husband and I have been watching the Lord of the Rings trilogy It is so long. Oh my goodness. We've been watching the extended version and it is so long. So it's definitely taken some like quarantine nights where there's nothing else on to get through them. And Eowyn is my new hero. I will keep growing my hair as long as I can until I can be like her. And I absolutely love stories like that. But realistically, our lives don't look like big adventures like that, you know, that often. And so I really love these domestic tales because in a sense, it pulls back the curtain and shows people's hidden lives and it places a great deal of importance on the hidden life and yes these (laughs) stories are idyllic and they're unrealistic and you know as much as our lives don't look like Lord of the Rings they also don't look like little women most days but I feel like there's the value that these stories place on family and on home Um, is so beautiful. The value that they place on our hidden life, the life that we live in the sight of God and not before other people is incredibly beautiful. And so when I'm talking about our hidden life throughout this message, I'm talking about a couple of things. I'm talking about our character, our integrity, who we are as people when nobody else is watching. But I'm also talking about our closest relationships with our family, with our kids, with our spouse, with our parents, with our close friends, with the people we live with if we have housemates or roommates. And um, I mean this message to be an encouragement as much as I mean it to be an exhortation. Our lives have been really stripped back in these days. So many of the things that we were doing and loving have just been taken away in this time. And so many of our public and external life is not there in the same way. Our lives have become much more hidden and much more private in these days. And so I want to kind of encourage you that it's actually incredibly important. 
and that our lives and the way we spend our days in these days is incredibly important. There's incredible things, important things that we do in our public lives, but also in our hidden lives. What we can do here and the fruit we can cultivate in our hidden lives matters so much. And so I'm going to have a bit of a look at what the Bible shares and what God shares about the value of our hidden lives and the value of our private lives. And then at the end, I'm going to wrap up with like a little bit of application, some fun things that maybe you could try um, over this next season. Um, So firstly, God cares who you are when no one is looking. Vast amounts of the Bible talk about growing in character. So much of Jesus's teaching, I mean, not all of it, but so much of it was about our character, was about how we live, was about our heart, was about our integrity. And we know this, but I think it bears repeating because it's so important. If you look at Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount, he talks so much of it, most of it, is about character. And what's so beautiful about the way he teaches in that sermon is that he says, look, in your external life, in your public life, you know not to do the wrong thing, right? You know not to murder. You know not to commit adultery. And those things, I mean, while they can be private in a sense, they're public. They're things that are happening outside of you. But he says, just not murdering isn't enough. You need to not hate in your heart, in your character, you need to not just not murder, you need to not hate. You, not just, you don't need to just not commit adultery. You need to not have lust in your heart. He places great value on the hidden life and on the character that's inside throughout the teaching in the whole of the Sermon on the Mount. Another powerful passage that comes to mind is um, Paul writing to Titus. And this is Titus chapter 2. And he says, Paul says, Teach the older men to exercise self-control, to be worthy of respect and to live wisely. They must have sound faith and be filled with love and patience. Similarly, teach the older women to live in a way that honors God. They must not slander others or be heavy drinkers. Instead, they should teach others what is good. These older women must train the younger women to love their husbands and their children, to live wisely, to be pure, to work in their homes, to do good and to be submissive to their husbands. Then they will not bring shame on the word of God. In the same way, encourage the young men to live wisely. And you yourself must be an example to them by doing good works of every kind. Let everything you do reflect the integrity and the seriousness of your teaching. And I love this passage because it talks specifically about the character and integrity that needs to be held within the home, within the closest relationships of family, of spouse, of children, of parents, of, you know, really close friends, of mentors. He says, you must have integrity in these places. Encourage them to grow in integrity, to grow in their character, to grow in the way they live in their private world, in the part of their life that's not seen by those outside. The last one I'll bring up, there's so many, but the last one that I want to read to you is from 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Now, this is a famous chapter about love, but the way it starts out is so powerful. This is 1 Corinthians 13 verse 1. If I could speak all the languages of earth and of angels, but didn't love others, I would only be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I had the gift of prophecy and if I understood all of God's secret plans and possessed all knowledge, and if I had such faith that I could move mountains but didn't love others, it would be nothing. If I gave everything I have to the poor and even sacrificed my body, I could boast about it, 
But if I didn't love others, I would have gained nothing. And so what this passage says so powerfully is that you can have all the skills in the world. You can have all the spiritual gifting in the world. You can have all the ministry in the world. You can have all the influence in the world. But if you and your character are not doing it from a place of love and a place of integrity, then it's worth nothing in the eyes of God. That's how much God cares what our hidden life looks like. That is how much the life we live before the eyes of God matters. It's basically one of the most important things. So all scriptures, one of the most important things to God. God cares more about your hidden life, about your character, about the way you live amongst those that you're closest to than he does about your social media, about your public ministry, about your job. And those things matter, but without a heart of integrity behind it all, the fruit that we bear in those other areas of our life is not going to be the good fruit that God wants us to bear. The fruit of your life will largely be dependent on the way that you live your hidden life. I'm going to say it again. The fruit of your life will be largely dependent on the way that you live when no one else is watching, the way you live your life before the eyes of God. Now, I'm going to read out of Psalm 1 because I think it gives a beautiful analogy for this. This is Psalm 1, studying in verse 1. Oh, the joys of the Lord who do not follow the advice of the wicked or stand around with sinners or join in with mockers, but they delight in the law of the Lord, meditating on it day and night. They are like trees planted among the river bank, along the riverbank, bearing fruit each season. Their leaves never wither and they prosper in all they do. And so in this kind of analogy that the psalm writer is using, he's comparing people to trees. And he's saying that a person who lives with integrity, who doesn't hang out with the wrong kind of people and get influenced by the, the, the wicked, the person who meditates on the law of God and who grows in their character is like a tree planted by a riverside who bears fruit each season. So it's like a super tree. It's bearing fruit all the time. And God says that this is what a person with character and within, with integrity is, is going to be like. And um, my, my husband is really into gardening at the moment. He's listening to all these gardening podcasts and learning all about it. And he told me recently, the thing he keeps saying at the moment is, Rachel, You've got to feed the soil, not the plants. Feed the soil, not the plants. Because what we can kind of think is, oh, there's a plant, I better fertilize it. But what he's saying is, like that the gardening experts say, is that the most important thing to do is to actually make sure that the soil is healthy. Because what grows out of the healthy soil will be healthy. Good fruit will be born out of healthy soil. And I feel like that's such a beautiful analogy. I think that's what the psalmist is kind of um, pulling off here, what is unseen of this tree is the roots. But the roots planted by the riverbank, the roots planted in good soil is what allows this tree to bear good fruit in each season. And that's what our lives are like. If we have character and integrity in our private life, in our hidden life, that is going to allow us to bear the most fruit in our life. We have to feed the soil, not just try to bear fruit. We actually have to create the environment and cultivate our heart 
growing character so that we'll be able to do that. And, you know, we can really often think that the kind of people who bear the most fruit are the people who have the biggest platform, the most influence, the people who earn the most money, the people who have the biggest ministry, the people with the best ideas and the best innovations. And they're the ones who bear good fruit and do good things and help the world and do what matters. And maybe many of them do. But if we chase after that, if that's our goal, if our goal is to get the biggest thing, do the most thing, you know, have the best job, we're going to come up really empty. Because the most important thing that we need to do is to cultivate our character, to be obedient to God. That is what's most important in the sight of God. The Bible's exhortation over and over and over again is to love God, to care for those in need, to love and train children, to grow in character, to do good, to be obedient to God. And if that leads you to a big sphere of influence, then that is awesome. But if we chase a sphere of influence without the strength of character behind us, we will not bear the fruit that God wants. We will always bear more fruit out of obedience to God out of living our lives, our private lives, the way he would have us, than we ever will by chasing a platform or chasing excitement or chasing fun. We will always bear the greatest fruit out of obedience to God, especially and in our public life too, but I really think it starts in our private world. And the key to choosing that is choosing to do what is important over and above what is urgent or what is easy. We can spend our whole lives chasing after what is urgent, what demands our attention in the moment, or what is easy, what causes us least pain, or maybe even what is fun or what is exciting. But if we chase after all of those things and we don't chase after what is important, we're going to miss out. And you know who shows us that in a beautiful way is Jesus. And the way that Jesus did his ministry, he was so good at prioritizing what was important over what was urgent. And there was times in Jesus's ministry where he had a really big public ministry. He had many people following him. He had huge crowds. He was healing many people. And he did that beautifully and he did that well, of course. But it, there are many times when we can see that, that it almost like that wasn't his priority. When he healed people, he said, don't tell other people. You know, there, there was so many times when he withdrew to spend time with God. And above all of that, he invested the most time in 12 people. He had crowds of thousands and thousands who would have listened to his teaching and followed him. But he invested in 12 people. There were constant urgent demands on him. More people who needed to be healed. More people who needed bread. More people who needed teaching. But he realized that what was important to the mission God had called him, there was a few things, but one of the key things was investing in these 12 flawed men, the 12 disciples. And so he prioritized that. He could have had a bigger public ministry if he wanted to, but he chose to turn away and behind closed doors invest in these 12 guys, live daily life with them, love them, invest in them, believe in them, because he believed that investing in and training and discipling these 12 guys would change the world. And it did. If, if having a bigger public ministry and teaching more people and healing more people 
would have led to greater fruit. Jesus would have done that. You can, you can know that. He always did what was good. He always did what was wise, but he saw that the greater good fruit was to be found in investing in these 12 men. And they did. They did change the world. At least 11 of them did. Even Jesus had one that, you know, turned away, which is always an encouragement to me as somebody who loves people and cares for people. Even Jesus had somebody who didn't kind of follow his teaching. I mean, Judas betrayed him, which was devastating. But the 11 of them and then others after that, they changed the world because Jesus had it put into them his ministry. So they carried it on throughout the world. He knew what was the most important. They told someone who told someone who told someone who told someone who told us, which is so amazing. They, they really, the, the ministry Jesus did with them was really what established the church and carried it on throughout the world, which is so amazing. The bulk of Jesus's fruit from that ministry in some ways, I mean, obviously dying on the cross is another matter, but the bulk of his ministry in terms of establishing the church and more miracles being done and more people being reached all happened after he even left the earth because he invested in what was important. He invested in a legacy beyond even the life that he had on the earth. And to highlight kind of an opposite example in the Bible, I want to share a contrasting tale from the Bible. Now, this is a story about King David. I'm not going to go into it too deeply because it's very long and very complicated. But King David, as we know, was an amazing man. He was a man after God's own heart. We see that in his private world, he actually had it worked out in a lot of ways. We can see in the Psalms and the way he's remembered throughout Scripture that he loved God so much. He's remembered as being a really good king, as leading his people well. And all of that is absolutely true of King David. But we can see that at the end of David's life, there were some things in his private world, in his hidden life, that were not as they should be. And that led to great death and pain and destruction in his life and also for his kingdom. He, you know, had one son assault one of his daughters. He had sons killing other sons. He had sons running away, being banished. He, you know, had, I mean, obviously the whole issue with David and Bathsheba and Uriah, that was huge as well. If you don't know the story, all of this is in 2 Samuel you know, he had one son who stole the heart of the people and then took his father's throne, publicly humiliated him and kicked his father out. So his father became a wanderer in the desert. I mean, just, there's just story after story of this devastation in David's family amongst his sons. And the fact that his sons were not always acting in a way that was righteous is not necessarily David's fault. You know, every person makes their own choice. No parent controls their children. But it makes a point in 2 Samuel of saying that for years and years and years, these issues were festering and David refused to address them. People came to him and had to urge him, please address this, please speak to your son. He refused to address these issues that were festering in his family and it led to so much death and pain and destruction. And, and I, this isn't something anybody can know or prove conclusively, but I wonder if had David invested in his family more and invested in his sons more, had stepped up in that moment in his hidden life and not just swept things under the carpet, I wonder if his line, if the line of kings that came from him would have been different. 
We know his son Solomon, who became the next king, one of his sons, he was a great king in some ways. He was an amazing king, but he was also deeply flawed in some ways. And his grandson, so Solomon's son, was very flawed. He actually split the kingdom. They lost half the kingdom because of his poor leadership and his poor character, his selfishness of heart. And I wonder if David had invested more in his private world in those days, if that could have changed the line. And I don't know, I'm not saying this for sure. It's not something we can know for sure, but I wonder. I wonder might that have shifted it. David chose what was easy over what was important. It was too hard to confront his sons. It was too hard to deal with the mess. And so he just chose what was easy. And I mean, I don't want to like, be too hard on King David. He was amazing. And, you know, he was an amazing king. All throughout the Bible, he's remembered as being an amazing king. But even he had this flaw in his private world. So firstly, I hope that encourages you that if you feel like you have flaws in your private world, that is very normal. We all do. King David did, and he was remembered as a great man of faith. But at the same time, it's a tale that warns us that we shouldn't sweep things under the carpet. We should do our best to do what is important and deal with the things that come up in our hearts and in our homes and in our lives when we need to. In our lives, we have to prioritize what is important over things that are just urgent and easy. And you know what's important but not urgent? Reading your Bible, honing your skills, exercising, eating well, investing in your children over and above, creating beauty, investing in strong friendships, making time for parents. The hidden life often doesn't feel glamorous. It sometimes feels very mundane and we don't feel like we get the returns on it and the immediate satisfaction that we do with other things. It's not like, oh, I sat with my child and built some Lego, 456 likes, or I washed the dishes, $3,000, or I went for a jog, here's a raise, or... I read my Bible. Now I have instant growth and I'm not tempted by anything anymore. These are long-term investments, things you have to do again and again and again and again. They're important. They're not going to scream in your face and say, I'm urgent, do me now. But they are important. They're things you have to invest in over time. We have to be in it for the long game. And, you know, we could see fruit from these things even beyond our life on this earth, from the people that we invest in and the lives that we touch. It's slow work and it's hidden work, but it matters immensely. And so to anyone out there, and I really especially want to honor the mums, I feel like mothers are so good at doing this. So much of what being a mother is, is hidden. It's behind closed doors. It's the loving again. It's the cleaning up again. It's the buying the things that are needed again, kissing the bruised knees again. It's doing it again and again and again. It feels, I mean, I, I'm not a mother, but I can imagine that some days it would feel like slow, mundane work. But I want to encourage you that it is incredibly important both to God and to the greater growing good of our world. God sees you. He honors you. What we do in these hidden days, in these private lives, when we do the important over what is fun, over what is easy over maybe even sometimes what is urgent but not important. God honors that. How we live our lives in the hidden place behind closed doors matters immensely. 
All right, I'm about to wrap up, but I just wanted to read um, a quote that I, always encourages me. Um, this is by George Eliot. It's a pseudonym. It's actually a woman, and she wrote, For the growing good of the world is partly dependent on unhistoric acts, and that things are not so ill with you and me as they might have been is half owing to the number who lived faithfully a hidden life and rest in unvisited tombs. And I really believe that there are so many people who lived unhistoric, hidden lives throughout all of history. There are people that history remembers. There are people who do heroic things and they are wonderful and we are so grateful for them. But the growing good of our world is just as much dependent on the mothers who raised sons and daughters who went on to become great leaders, great heroes, great writers, great artists, great scientists. It's dependent on the ones who made great sacrifices in times of war and hardship so that that freedom could continue. It's dependent on people who laid down their lives for the gospel to go forth in all the world or maybe didn't die, maybe just gave up the comforts of their home to go live somewhere else to do that. You know, I even think of um, in our current crisis, there are so many people who history is not going to remember but who lived these days well in their hidden lives and who have brought greater good to our world because of that. And I think of you, of so many people in our community, in our church family, who have lived a good life, who have lived a hidden life well, who have given, who have served, who have sacrificed, who have raised children, who have given money, who have gone overseas to serve, who have served here in our country. And history may not remember very many of us, but the lives we live well in the hidden place make such a big difference for the greater good of our world going forward. We have the world we have today because other people have loved and given and been good and sacrificed in the past to give us what we have today. And I just want to share a couple quick fun ways that um, we can work on that. We can work on growing in our hidden lives in this season. And the first one is to celebrate the hidden life. Um, I, I mentioned Little Women at the start and Greta Gerwig just put out a um, Little Women movie at the end of last year. It was so beautiful. And I love what Amy says at the end. Joe is talking about how she's writing a book about their home life and their domestic life and She's like, oh, but it's not very important. And Amy says, maybe people don't think it's important because nobody writes about it. Maybe because, I'm paraphrasing, because you are writing about it, it will help people to see how important it is. And I think that's so true. Our hidden lives are very important, whether or not we recognize it, but we get to choose to recognize that and to celebrate that. No one's going to give you a raise for li like living your hidden life well. No one's going to give you a gold star or a accolades or like it's it's basically that doesn't happen in our hidden lives so we have to choose to do it ourselves we have to choose to celebrate it the other time day this week I went out and bought fish and chips and we lit candles in the house and drank orange juice out of wine glasses because wine glasses feel festive and we celebrated life and Dave and I just decided tonight's the night we're just going to celebrate life we're going to celebrate what God's done we're going to celebrate the life we're living now and we chose to place value on our hidden lives by doing that so I would encourage you to find some fun ways of celebrating your hidden life celebrating the life you live behind closed doors 
Number two is have a look under the carpet. King David had great weaknesses in that he swept things under the carpet and they kind of festered on there, under there and came out stinky. I know that in these days, some things seem to be coming creeping out from under the carpet because we're spending so much time with certain people. And that's not a bad thing. It's a chance for us to deal with the things we need to deal with, to do what's important, but maybe what's not easy in our lives and in our hearts. The third one is to figure out what is important but not urgent in your life. Things that need your attention long-term to have good growth but are not going to demand your attention now. Things like, you know, we've already said exercising, investing extra over and above in training your children in the ways of God. I I love what it said in that Titus passage, you know, older men training younger men, older women training younger women, finding someone that you can invest in and really bless and help them grow in their hidden life as well. There are less urgent things in our world right now in terms of like less demands on our time for a lot of us, like external demands on our time outside of our home. And so it's a good chance to really consider what is important. What do I want to invest my time in? You know, I really feel like this virus is going to change our world going forward beyond what's happening right now. And I really hope that one of the ways that it changes is that it helps change our values. For so long, the life we live hidden behind closed doors has not been seen as important as the life we live out in front of other people. And that life was important too. My goodness, the hard work people do, the ministry people do, oh my goodness, so important. But I think it's easier to see the importance of that than it is to see the importance of the life we live in our homes, with our families, with those that we're closest to, the life we live before God, what's happening in our hearts. And I really hope that this helps us to value that a little bit more. And I feel like mothers are often so good at valuing that and so good at seeing that. And so I really hope this has been an encouragement to you that, you know, as these other things are being stripped away, that it's, you've been able and you've been focusing so much more on your hidden life that you're encouraged by how important that is. That is wonderful. And thank you so much to the mothers who do that day in, day out, in season and out of season all the time. We honour you and we thank you for doing that so beautifully and so well. It matters so much to the greater good of the world. And it also matters so much in the eyes of God. So I'm just going to pray to... um wrap up the service. So pray with me. Dear God, we thank you so much that you are so good. We thank you that you care so much about us. You care so much about our lives. God, please help us to live well in our hidden life and in our hidden days. I pray for anyone who is, um, who is watching or listening that is feeling maybe a little bit discouraged like it feels like they're just pouring out and pouring out and pouring out and not seeing any return on that. God, I pray that you will encourage them that what they invest in their hidden life, what they invest in their character, what they invest in other people, God, I pray that you'll comfort them, that you'll show them how important that is, that it's about the long game. God, give them vision to see that it's about the long game. It's about the fruit that is born over and beyond a lifetime, not just what happens right now, Lord God. I pray for great encouragement for them. God, we thank you that you are so good. Help us to live lives that honour you. In Jesus' name, amen.